Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thanks, Michael. Fantastic. Yes. You're really honouring God uh, and, of course, the word that he's about to bring through me, your humble servant. Um, I heard a song on the, the radio a few weeks ago and uh, you're about to hear it tonight. So some of you might know it. It's uh, been getting a fair bit of airplay uh, on the Christian cycles and also on uh, secular radio. So it spoke to me that much that my, my message is actually talking about the song itself. So I do pray uh, that it will minister to you. So Natalie and uh, Leanne are going to present this to us. Thank you. T- thank you, guys.
Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Leanne. Just amazing. There's clinics here if anyone needs them. We can pass them around. So this month uh, we have our theme, which is strengthen. And so my intent uh, of this message tonight is that you understand that God wants to strengthen us. Strength comes from knowing who we are and particularly knowing who we are in him. And by him, I mean Jesus Christ, uh, my Lord and Saviour, and hopefully yours as well. So I've just got three short points I want to be going through this evening. I'm going to fire them out right now so you know what they are, and then we will go through them. So I'm going to be talking about the lies of who you are, the truth of who you are, and the journey of who you are. Those are three separate things that we're going to be journeying through today. First of all, the lies of who you are. That's point number one, the lies of who you are. They are most definitely out there. You don't need to go very far. And uh, one of the things that, I, that I'm aware of, there's this concept called white noise, and all the techo guys are going to know what I'm talking about straight away. White noise, technically, it's the, uh, the, uh, the gathering of a whole bunch of different frequencies all together, all mashed up together, so that you can't actually discern anything in particular, but you just get this shh, this kind of like background noise. If you think back to the old TV sets where you, you tune them in, but they're not quite tuned in, or if the, the station isn't airing, which of course never happens anymore because we've got live streaming and catch-up TV and all that sort of stuff. But white noise is that general background noise that you can get. And in actual fact, some people like the whole concept of that background noise, that white noise. I was talking to somebody during the week, and they've emigrated here to Perth from somewhere else in the world, and they used to live in a very busy capital city, and it's a lot quieter here in Perth. If you're from Perth, you don't think Perth is quiet, but a lot of people tell us it is, so we'll just grow with that one. It's kind of quiet. And so they're not used to all the quietness, and so they've always got the television on. It's just playing in the background the whole time. For them, it's the white noise. It's somewhat reassuring. It's just you know, something that they have in the background. But I want to float another concept here to you, and I don't know if this is scientifically correct, but you'll get the idea. This is what I refer to as black noise. Black noise is the negative stuff that's always in the back of our heads, back of our minds going all the time. That's black noise. It's the negative thoughts. It can come from others, and it often also comes from ourselves. 
black noise, it's that darkness. Uh, it can affect us and we can be unaware that it really is affecting us until we have a really bad day and you go, what's all this stuff? Where's this all coming from? Here's what happens with black noise. If you only ever see or hear about black noise, then you can miss reality and you can miss beauty. It can be right there. But the volume of the black noise can be so overwhelming, so overpowering, that that is all that you hear. It's all that you can see. I've got an image that I want to show you here, and it's deliberately on the dark side as far as resolution. There's some light parts of the image there, and I don't think anyone's going to probably be able to guess what the image is kind of like. But there's, there's something there. You just can't see it because the image is so dark. That's what can happen. There can be something so amazing, yet you can't see it because the darkness has the overwhelming factor within whatever it is you're looking for or searching for. Let's have a look at the next image because this is what really was there. Absolute beauty. But it's hidden because the voice of the black noise is louder than the voice of the beauty that is actually there. And you know, some of those, that black noise, some of those things can come from snapshots in your own life. We've been talking a little bit about social media tonight, so I'm going to join in as well. Social media is great for the highlights, and they're exciting, and I love seeing people having lots of fun. I don't know if I like seeing what everyone's eating all the time, but hey, that's part of it. But, you know, they are the highlights, and we tend to remember those. But there are also lowlights in our lives, and most people don't tend to post those. Unless there's something really graphic like, you know, I could have, I suppose, posted my bike injury pictures uh, and gone, here's a low point for me and done the big black eye and got a bit of sympathy and things like that. But uh, the low lights aren't the sort of things that we like to celebrate on. But how is it that we so focus on our low lights? We can so easily forget about the great stuff that's happening in our lives and we think about the stuff that we've just stuffed up on and made mistakes. And that's the record. That's the tune that keeps on playing in our minds. But the snapshots, they are just that. They're a small portion of something that may have happened in your life. You know, the interesting thing about failure is that failure and the fear of failure, it actually stops you from trying again. It's an incredibly powerful thing. So much so that you won't try perhaps again. Here's the reverse of that one. Ever heard about the fear of success? I don't hear anybody talking about the fear of success. You do something well, and so you think, I better not do that again, just in case I don't do it well again. When you do something well, you know you can do it well, don't you? And you go, I could do that. And so you keep on doing it. So why is it that the voice of failure is so much louder than the voice of success? It needs to change. We need to make those changes in our minds. You know, the lies about who we are, they are just that. They're lies about who we are. And they can come from other people. I'm going to quote two people from history who hopefully are reasonably famous, in your minds at least. First one is Albert Einstein. He was referred to, he was thought of as being mentally challenged. And you know how they came to that conclusion? He He didn't become fluid in his native language until he was the age of nine. So they just associated lack of speaking well with stupidity. Well, that's stupid in itself, isn't it? Just that whole concept. And clearly, I don't think he was stupid at all and certainly was not mentally challenged. Here's another one, Thomas Edison. He was told by his teachers, and here's a quote, too stupid to learn anything. This is Thomas Edison. Now, can everybody, quick quiz here, can everybody see me tonight? You know why you can? Because of Thomas Edison. He invented lights. So I think the teachers were very much wrong about him. The interesting thing, though, is that I'm sure those voices of negativity and black noise still pursued throughout his early life because, in actual fact, for his first two jobs that he got, he got fired for being unproductive. 
Now, he could have listened to the naysayers. He could have listened to the, yeah, it's true. I'm stupid. I'm never going to do anything. Uh, I'm just no good at all these things. All that happened was he found out two types of jobs that he was not suited for. Why don't we take that approach with the things that we fail at? Realize, okay, I can try better, but ultimately, it's probably just not going to be me. I worked out pretty well, but I was not incredibly gifted on the sporting field. My idea of playing cricket is using a basketball and a tennis racket. And then I got half a chance of hitting that thing. Because the cricket ball and the bat is just like, no way. The first time I played golf, you tee off um, with... There you go. I only played once. What do you tee off with? What's the name of that one? The club? A wood? Yeah, they gave me a wood. I think it might have been a three wood. So I teed off with that thing. And of course, you tee off and you put a little thing in the grass and you put the ball up on the top and then away you go. And... uh, (laughs) You got to, you're learning so much from that, aren't you? It's great. <laughs> Idiot's guide to golf by the idiot himself. <laughs> so I teed off. And then imagine my surprise that when I went to catch up with the ball, I wasn't allowed to put the little tee thing on there again. It was like, you mean I've got to hit it from the grass now? I've got to change my angles and all sorts of things. So I did that. And then about halfway down the fairway, they said, oh, now you should change to an iron, you know, a three iron or whatever. I was like, but I just got used to this club. So seriously, I'm not really all that sporty. I can wield a mean hairdryer, mind you. So I do have skills. I've got some game, just in different areas. <laughs> so it's just a case of finding out the stuff that you are good at and just moving on uh, from there. That internal voice uh, can be very, very strong. But, you know, you can, you can believe your own lies as well. They can just come in there and you just have no idea where they actually come from. As I was praying about this and speaking about the internal lies, um, God spoke to me this afternoon, and so I've got three things that I just want to put out here, and I believe there's at least three people in this room that God wants to speak to tonight. The first person is, that it was incredible, I saw a vision of your heart, and it's like your heart is a box of tissues. Like that's how you would describe your heart, is a box of tissues, because that's always how you feel about yourself, that you always need these handy, because this is what is in here. And God wants you to know tonight that he's changing your heart and that you don't need to live a life where it's basically tissues on the inside. He's going to be giving you a new heart. He's going to be giving you a new understanding about who you are in him. There's someone else you're going to be getting confirmation towards the end of this message that you are actually on the right track with a whole bunch of things that you've been doing in your life. And this phrase come to mind, things are going to bolt together for you. So just remember that. Towards the end of this message, you're going to feel that sense of, yeah, look, things are going to bolt together for me. And the third message I have here for someone is that you're someone who helps others a lot. Now, you're not in the helping profession, but this is just what you do. And you've been wondering whether you actually are on the right track or not and whether you really have been helping people or not. So this content tonight also is going to be able to speak to that. And you're going to give it, and this is what I saw again, you're going to give it a great big green tick. And God's going to do that over your life. And you're going to know that you've been doing the right things in the right way. And you may never have the qualifications. You don't need them. You've got Jesus qualifications right there. So as far as you know, the things that you do and the own, the own internal voices and the internal lies that you can easily hear, I had this strange idea in my mind of what it meant to be a man. Obviously, I am one. But um, it's, it's so strange that I actually wouldn't refer to myself as a man when legally and technically I could have. So 18 years of age is when he referred to as an adult. And I wouldn't refer to myself as a man. I'd say I'm a guy. I wouldn't say I'm a man. Because I had this image in my mind, this self-doubt about what actually is a man. Like I mentioned about the hairdryer thing. And it's, it's kind of funny. But that's me. That's just part of who I am. 
And the ironic thing about this was I actually got asked to speak at a men's meeting here at the church uh, several years ago. And I thought, really? They're asking me? This is a men's meeting for men. I'm not the burly kind of, I'm not a macho kind of guy, in case you couldn't tell, just FYI. Not one of those guys. And uh, so I thought, fine, that's fine. They've actually asked me to speak there. And so I actually gave them my take on who I am as a guy living in the 21st century. And I had a whole bunch of men come up to me afterwards and thank me for that. Because I just, I thought, I didn't think that I could be having those elements. I thought I had to be this, this, and this. So I went away from that realising, you know what? I don't need to believe those lies anymore. I am a man. It's just what my definition of that actually was. So maybe you've got some definitions in your mind that need changing. Allow God to change who he thinks, who he says you really are. So there's the lies about yourself, there's the lies that people say you are, and there's the lies about what you say you are as well. The hard part about those sometimes is that they can have a level of accuracy in them, and they can have a level of evidence based in them. They're the really hard ones to filter out, but you still need to filter them out. The only person's opinion you should really be concerned about is God's. And I can tell you what it is. He loves you. He created you exactly the way you are. Sharp edges, fine, please work on those for all of our sakes. But he loves you and he's created you exactly the way you are. He's the only one you should be concerned about. And you don't need to be concerned because he absolutely loves you. Okay, it's my first point. Uh, the lies of who you are. Point number two, the truth of who you are. This is some of the reality stuff. You know, emotions, they can be great, not so great. They're really terrible about determining who you are because they just fluctuate pretty much like the weather. So you need to be really careful about those. The emotions are just on the outside. You've got to get to the real you. And I thought of this example of, and I wanted to bring some in and hand them out to everybody, but I did a quick head count. I thought it's going to take too long. But I thought of one of my favourite cookies, which is Oreos. Who loves Oreos? I think they're on special at Coles, so after the service. Um, but Oreos are really great. But what I like about them the most is that I like the inside bit where the icing is. So what I do, and sorry, this could be sacrilegious to some of you who just love your Oreos, but I try and peel off the outside bit of the biscuit and then I get to the icing and scoop that off with my teeth and yum yum um, <laughs> and then have the rest of the cookie on there. But I thought about this with emotions is that our emotions are that middle bit. What you need to do is, sorry, they're the outer bit. You need to get rid of the emotions on the outside of the cookie as it were and get to who you really are which is right in the middle bit. The emotions are just what other people see about you but the real you is the one inside and that's the real you that God knows. And of course, when it comes to emotions, opinions are very closely related to that. You can have your own opinion about yourself. Others are probably going to have them. Don't ask for them. People are always going to have opinions about you. Opinions, though, are incredibly one-sided. Ever read a restaurant review on Urban Spoon or Yelp or some other site like that? Gone terrible food. The thing with those reviews is that more than likely, that person only ate one thing on the menu. And they just personally may not have liked that one thing that was on the menu. It doesn't mean that the rest of the restaurant is rubbish. And so when someone brings an opinion about yourself or you bring an opinion about yourself, it's just your opinion. It's very much one-sided. They're not real, just like our emotions. We don't need to live in our emotions. Let me tell you about who you really are. Here's a scripture for you. This is Psalm 139 and verse 14. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful 
I know this very well. This is from the New Century Version. I love how it explains that. And this is God speaking to every single one of us. I pray, sorry, this is talking about God. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. That's who God says you are. That's God's opinion of you. And that's anyone that you need to be concerned yourself with. Ever had times of weakness? Don't raise your hand because everyone needs to. We all have times of weakness. You know what? There's nothing wrong with weakness. Absolutely nothing wrong with weakness. Shock horror, even Jesus had times of weakness. Think of that scripture when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's saying, Father, if you can take this away from me, if that is not a display of the feeling of weakness, as in I really don't think I can go through this, I really don't want to have to go through this, that's a display of weakness. Now, of course, Jesus said, but not my will, yours be done. And God understands that because we are human. And there was that human element to Jesus. And so he understood that as well. Let me show you a scripture where it talks about weakness. This is Isaiah 40 and verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So God is there in our shortcomings. The fact that he wrote a verse like that means that he understands that we will have weakness in our, in our lives at different times. Otherwise, why would God put that? He would have read something like, don't be weary, don't be weak, be strong all the time. He's talking about the fact that he's created us and he understands us. And so therefore, we shouldn't be dumping stuff on ourselves. God certainly isn't. He's there helping us through those times of weakness. So guess what? You're human. You're just living through your humidity, uh, your humility <laughs> and the humidity. Man, it's hot tonight, isn't it? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so don't worry about all those sorts of things. The truth is that you are loved. You might not feel it, uh, but you really are. And you know how much you are loved? This is the most quoted verse, I think, in the Bible, John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's for everybody. And the amazing thing about that is that that's the people that don't yet love him. That's the people that hate him. That's the people that don't believe in him. That's the people that are, believing that, that are killing the people who do believe in him. God says, I still love them. Think about all the horrible wars and all the atrocities. God loved all those people. Didn't love what they did probably, but he still loved every single one of them. That's how much and some that God loves all of us. So stumbling blocks, they're okay. They're going to happen. You know why they're going to happen? Because again, God talks about them. Psalm 37, verse 24. If they stumble, they will not fall because the Lord holds their hand. Now, if your analytical brain like me goes, well, hang on, if they stumble, surely they could actually fall. We're talking about falling in the permanent sense here. So God's saying, look, they might stumble, but they will not fall to the point of serious harm. God is always going to be there. and The Lord holds their hand. You might get bruised along the way. You might get a few scuffs along the way. But this, again, Bible verses saying God understands that, that we will stumble at different times. Here's something that a lot of us can feel like. We can feel like we just don't belong. You know, you can be in a room of people and still feel like you're alone. Very, very easy for that to happen. There can be people that you know and you can still feel incredibly alone. So that feeling of being 
belonging to someone, it's not about numbers. It's about who you are on the inside and it's about your acceptance of yourself and other people obviously accepting you also. I can tell you right now that in this church, you're welcome. No matter who you are, you are welcome. God loves you and so therefore, so do we. Any good Christian should welcome everybody else. We're referred to as the family of God. Uh, Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the lonely in families. So if you're lonely, this is where you need to be. Because the church is referred to as the family of God. So you need to be here. And if you don't know anybody, try and say hello to some people. And if that's too much for you, I get that, then at least look friendly-ish. And people will come and say hello to you. <laughs> it's past the heart coming out. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, seriously, I mean, like, I'm, I'm naturally shy in situations where I don't know a whole bunch of people. And so for me to go to people that I don't know, it is always a conscious thing that I do. It's a joyful decision that I do, but I have to decide to actually do it. It's just not natural for me, but it doesn't mean I don't care about it. I do do it, and I know there's a good reason for it. And I can tell you, in all the years that I've been in this church, I have never gone up to anybody, said hello, and told me to buzz off and go away. Everybody just like, you can see the relief on some people's faces, like, oh, thank goodness, someone came to say hello to me. And I remember when Robin and I first came to this church, uh, there were, I didn't have a set number in my mind, but there were three different people or three different sets of people that came and said hello to us on the very first time that we came to this church. And I said to Robin, that's good enough for me. This is a church, obviously, that has people that want to be welcoming and inviting and accepting, and we're going to go there. And uh, obviously, we did. We still have been here for just a little while. So it's fantastic. So you are definitely welcome. Okay, that's point number two. I said these weren't going to be incredibly long. That's point number two, the truth of who you are. Now we come to point number three, the journey of who you are. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that, the journey of who you are. But here's an interesting character that I want to talk about for a few moments, and you possibly haven't heard this person preached about before, so I've got an image of this person. Thanks, Matty. There we go. Anyone recognise that? It is Cinderella. Fantastic. I won't say the gospel according to Cinderella because there is no such thing, and that, and that would be heresy. But uh, there's the first image of Cinderella, but here's the follow-up image after Cinderella's had a bit of a makeover party. There we go. Look at that. Very expensive-looking dress. Um, I'm sure no animals were hurt in the creation of that dress. It's all environmentally friendly. It's eco-friendly. It's biodegradable. Stick it in the ground, and who knows? It's all good. But... What happened? <laughs> Not in the trace. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. Same person. <laughs> Where do you go after Cinder? <laughs> uh, preaching tips: don't to preach on Cinderella. <laughs> Next time, Mickey Mouse. Look out, okay? It's going to be Mickey Mouse. Cinderella, same person, same potential though, but just two different situations. 
She couldn't see what was inside of her, and all it took was someone else, fairy tale, of course, folks, not real story here, but all it took was someone else to give a different perspective, and then you saw the end result of that. So the truth was that inner beauty was still there. The ability for that person to go off and have a great time and, and all those sorts of things, that was still there. But she was just so stuck down, as far as the story goes, in her day-to-day. She didn't see the, the possibility. So she needed to go on a journey from the life that she thought she was to the person that she could easily become. Interesting thing, and I'm pretty sure we still do this, don't we ask kids, what do you want to do when you grow up? Why do we do that? Because we understand that who they are right now is clearly not who they're going to be when they grow up. And we ask them what they want to be because we want them to be thinking about a different view of life than what they currently have. Yes, it might be fun playing with Lego all the time or Nintendo or, show my age here, whatever popular game there might be or other things like that. That's not going to be their life. So we ask them what do they want to do when they grow up. So we have an understanding as adults that clearly they're not going to stay that way. But at what age did we stop giving ourselves permission to continually change and evolve into the people that God wants us to be? Who said that it's time to stop? Who said that we can't continue to change? Who said that we can't break out of those lies that have been spoken over us? Certainly not God. So that's the journey that we have to go on. There's where we started, there's where we are right now, and there's where we're headed. That's what our journey is. You know, our life journey, our life journey lies, it's between the lies of who you are and the truth of who you are. That's where your life journey is. It's between the lies of who you are and the truth of who you are. And we've been seeing some of that truth here tonight. So that journey bit, that's called the transition. And we're all on that ourselves together. And we're not meant to do it alone. We really aren't. Even, you know, the, uh, you think about the most uh, severe form of punishment within the penal system... What is it? Isolation. They put people in isolation. Now, I like a bit of quiet time. I'm not saying I want to go to prison, but I don't know. I think probably mentally I would cope a lot better than maybe some other people, but I'm sure even then I'd reach my limits. But we are wired to do things together. Right back at the beginning of Genesis, God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he created Eve to be with him. So it's, it's within our DNA. It's how God has wired us. We are meant to have other people in our lives with us. We're designed to do life together and to have real connections. You might have a whole bunch of online relationships, but I can tell you this, and you probably know this already, they only go to a certain level. They are a representation They're snapshots, and even if you share lots and lots of stuff, and maybe you overshare, as some people do, they will still only go to a certain level. It's your offline relationships. They're the ones with the real physical human beings. Those are the ones that you can get real depth. They're the ones that you can call up late at night. They're the ones that can go around to your place. They're the ones that can help you move. They're the ones that can come alongside you and put an arm around you if you're going through uh, sorrow and things like that. Very difficult to get the computer mouse and stick it up here and do stuff like that. just doesn't work. Scripture for you here, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So churches like this should be those places where you get to have someone else to walk alongside you. 
Now, you do need to set some realistic expectations within a church. Obviously, this size, this is our evening service. Uh, we've got more people that come at our morning service, which is at uh, 9.30 in the morning. And, of course, we've got kids' programs, morning and night. So there's more people that are in this room right now. And, of course, we've got connect groups and other things that happen throughout the week. So you are never going to probably know everybody in here. So set some realistic expectations. There will be unfamiliar faces, but there should be more familiar faces than the unfamiliar. There'll be people's names that you don't know and people's names that you do know. There'll be people that you know, there'll be just acquaintances, and there'll be really great friends. And I've got all of those in the spectrum. And I do pray and hope that every one of you have all of those as well. So don't expect to know everybody. You won't be best friends with everybody. That's, that, otherwise, a best friend wouldn't be a best friend, would they? That's just unrealistic. So best friends are a smaller group, but you can still have a lot of other friends. And church is a great place to be able to experience that also. So that's my third point there, the journey of, of who you are. It's going to be that transitional stage that we need to go through. So I've unpacked quite a lot of stuff tonight. But the most important thing is that you need to know that you're loved by Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity right now. Um, so Leanne, if you could come on the keys, that would be great. We always give opportunities. And you can get to know Jesus. You can get to know the God that I've been talking about right now. And it is so, so easy. We're not going to embarrass you. Uh, you may have been to other churches where you had to put up a hand and come down the front and, and all those sorts of things. We respect your privacy. You don't have to do those things. What you do need to do is respond to God if you feel him tugging on your heart. And so we allow you to do this. And this is going to be between you and I, uh, you and God. But I'm going to say a prayer um, that uh, I'm going to encourage the whole church to pray along with me. And you can pray this as well. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Saviour. Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. If you meant that, then Jesus knows. And we don't just want to leave it like that for you. We've got this concept called yes texting. So the number's coming up on the screen there. If you've responded yes to that, or even if you didn't pray that prayer, but you want to kind of like say a yes, maybe a lowercase yes rather than a capital case, a capital case Y, you can text that number. And what we will do, we will send you a Bible verse at 7 a.m. every morning for the next 30 days. And there'll be a sample prayer that goes along the lines of that Bible verse. We want to help you understand the Word of God and help you understand how easy it is to actually pray to him as well. And after those 30 days, there's mini-series that you can opt into. Uh, you can hop onto the online discipleship course that we've just talked about tonight. We just want to help you. We're not going to give you details to anybody else. We keep those privately and securely uh, within our church environment. But that's our way of wanting to help you. It's that easy. You think, but if I just text this, is that okay? Well, I think God knows. If you're real about it, then he's real and going to be available for you also. So as I mentioned this message came out of that song. So I'm going to ask Natalie and Leanne, and Natalie, if you could sing that song again for us, because I really saw that this was going to be a great way to bookend this message. So I hope that the song spoke to you to start with. This message has hopefully helped you understand from God's perspective and from the Bible all the things that he's talked about as well. And so now, if we listen to this song again, let it really speak to you and let it sink in what God really does think about you. Thank you, Natalie. Keep fighting. 
Very good. Thank you. Well, I hope that's touched you. God's good. I hope when you come to church that you come with an expectation for God to speak to you because he's alive. Religion paints a dead God, but this is about relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you can't have a song like that with Natalie singing like that. You don't get a message like I've had tonight without having a relationship with Jesus. So can I encourage you, walk with Jesus, get to know him, talk to him. He's as real as the voice that you're hearing from me right now. He just loves it. So... 